4,000 feet uh, speed, uh, 180 knots, one double check. Hi, it's Natalie Flygirl Kelly, and on this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails, we dive into the charitable organization of Wings of Hope, which is based in St. Louis, Missouri. I've been involved with Wings of Hope a few times over the past few years and really enjoy that organization, being around those people. They have a real heart for helping people and have combined my love of aviation into this awesome organization. Join us on this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, so welcome to this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. <laughs> mouthful. <laughs> totally. Cute name. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we are here at Wings of Hope, and we've got, um, and actually I saw, I was on the website, and there's quite a few women involved on the yes, board, right? Yes, we, we have some, some good female leadership here. Yeah, so tell me, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell me what your role is here at Wings of Hope. Sure. My name is Dr. Jessica Watson. I'm the Director of Programs here at Wings of Hope. Um, I've been with the organization about six and a half years now. And so Wings of Hope, do you want me to tell you more about what yeah, we're sure. about? Uh-huh. So um, our mission is saving and changing lives through the power of aviation. We've been around for a while, over 50 years. We were founded in 1962. We have been nominated twice for the Nobel Peace Prize in the last 10 years. Um, and that is for our international humanitarian work um, that we were founded to do. And so we... We were initially founded um, when we, we um, heard a story of a nun who was also a pilot and a nurse who was working in the Turkana Desert in Kenya, and she was flying a plane that had wing cloths, and the hyenas were actually attracted to the glue that held together the wing cloths, and so when she would come in at night, they would creep out and they would chew holes in oh, the wow. plane, and so she was grounded. So four St. Louis businessmen heard about her plight, and they raised money to send her a plane that actually had metal wings. Ah, <laughs> so, yeah. um, so in that process, they found out there, there was a lot of need in really remote areas for medical access, and that planes were what was necessary in order to provide it. So um, we have worked in 48 countries over that time, mm-hmm. and we have always partnered with local communities that have an organization there that is a separate nonprofit and that we can we know that the plane will be in good hands long term so we are then working to build their capacity so that they are able to maintain the, the services through aviation in the long term okay so you actually like get a plane to that area for their use yes okay. often that is the case and okay. that has been historically um, the case in many uh, countries around the world mm-hmm. we also can help organizations source parts for planes mm-hmm. um, with, that are really difficult, you know, to get it mm-hmm. to get to Zambia or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, at times we provide fuel stipends. Um, we provide volunteer A&Ps to go and do an annual at several locations like in Tanzania mm-hmm. or in Nicaragua. Um, that, that has been a relationship that we've had. Um, and at times we've sourced pilots, field pilots um, for Belize, um, mm-hmm. for instance. So, the need varies depending on the organization, but the theme is always aviation-related, mm-hmm. and in many cases, it's, it's medical-related as well. So, because you actually have planes, though, that you don't, uh, 
tank that you use for transporting patients. Yeah, correct? so yeah. so that's another big part of what we do. So 17 years ago, we decided that um, there was the same kind of medical access need here in the United States, especially in rural areas. Um, and so we founded the Medical Relief and Air Transport Program. Um, and so for that one, we run two of our planes um, here, Pipers, and we have a cadre of volunteer pilots. We have about 20 pilots that um, dedicate their time to be available to transport patients when necessary. It's about 200 patients a year. Most, Many of them are children. Um, many of them have really specialized diseases where they need to um, reach a medical professional that is really far away from their home and they need to go on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. They might be, not be able to fly commercial because they're <laughs> immunocompromised if they're um, exactly. in cancer treatments or something like that. And so in, the, in those cases, we, um, we fly them. Okay, that makes sense. Now, I noticed you have people donate airplanes. Is that how you typically get the planes that you use to take to other places? Yes, we have a strong <coughs> airline donation program, and um, we typically get about 20 planes donated a year. Um, and the priority on those donations is always, first, do we have a need for that particular type of plane in the field um, internationally, or do we have? would that be an upgrade for our domestic program here? And then if that is not the case, then we, using our amazing volunteer support that we have in the hangar um, of many retired um, A&Ps or engineers, they completely rehabilitate the planes and then they sell them. And those, uh, those funds go directly to support our programs. Okay, gotcha. I know you guys have done um, like raffles of aircraft as well. Like what qualifies it as, hey, we're going to sell this airplane, we're going to mm -hmm. keep it, we're going to raffle it. Like what is that? Yeah, those our raffles have become hugely popular in yeah. the last few years. So now we have two raffles a year um, in the spring and in the fall, um, and it's a great deal, right? You get a plane for seventy five bucks. <laughs> the tickets sell out they in do. an hour, or they sell out wow. in less than a day. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's it's amazing to see. That's one of the big biggest fundraisers um, of our year now, and so you know. It has to be, if in terms of just like the back-end tax purposes and stuff, we have to keep it below a certain value. So sure. that limits the sum, the type of planes that we choose from our pool of donated planes. Um, and then certain planes are just more, are going to be... Um, more like uh, widely um, wanted or desired, yeah. absolutely, mm -hmm. especially for maybe beginning pilots, mm -hmm. sure. which many folks are, many are aspiring pilots yeah. when, they, when they buy a ticket. Um, and so um, we we choose it based on that. And we also have like, we have second prizes and third prizes that are um, some amazing avionics support um, and um, lessons. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you have like how many planes or do you ever like turn a plane away? We do um, mm -hmm. if we feel that the amount of effort and labor and cost to put into it is going to mm -hmm. be more than we can really take on in our mm -hmm. hangar at the time or um, it's just not going to be a net benefit for yeah. us. Yeah. Hmm. That's, that's now what is What is your, what do you do for the company? So as director of programs, um, I manage three programs, and I've only told you about two of them right now, but Natalie was actually involved in the third one, um, which was a recent addition. Um, and so I make sure that we are 
evidence-based in what we do, and we have evaluations um, built in so that we can see the impact of what we do. So that's really what I am very laser-focused on, um, and then expanding into new opportunities, new funding realms for, for these areas. I also manage the grants for the organization, so we're always looking for new partners that might want to support our programs in all of those areas. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But so, so should I tell you about my our third program? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. So um, it's called Soar into STEM, um, and this is our foray into um, direct STEM education. And we decided to take this direction because we have this amazing concentration of resources here out in our hangar. We have a huge number of volunteers that are highly skilled. Um, many of them are retired from aviation professions, and we have these wonderful these tools and all of these different types of planes that come through our hangar. Um, and we wanted to connect with some of our local high schools and middle schools, where right now we're serving people around the world, we're serving people within the 600-mile radius, but we wanted to really share our resources with the St. Louis community. And so we decided to reach out to underserved schools that might not have any exposure to aviation careers, aviation mentorship, might not have access to STEM resources. And so we designed a program that it's a, it's a four-week program on Saturdays, and it's targeted at women and um, students of color, and many of them ended up being middle school students or early high school. And so we have a day where we focus on the mechanics of aviation. We bring pilots um, to talk with them. We have a day where we focus on um, what it takes to be an A&P mechanic, and the kids get their own uh, 15-piece tool roll they'll take home um, wow. afterwards, and they actually get to work on a plane that's at the beginning of the annual process. Mm-hmm. And so they took off the propeller, they drained the oil, oh, wow. they cool. opened the wing flaps, they put panels on the wings, and they kind of like use their flashlights and their mirrors to check yeah. for corrosion. Yeah. Um, they took out the interior. They really had a fantastic hands-on experience of what it takes to mm-hmm. work on a plane, mm-hmm. and many of them had never used tools before in that way. They got a tour of the air traffic control by mm-hmm. a female air traffic controller, oh, yeah. which was fantastic. Yeah. And we really connected with Boeing. Boeing is the major sponsor for, for this program, and so we had mentors who were from Boeing who are engineers. Um, we had a female engineer um, from Boeing come speak about the different areas of aviation engineering that they could go into. Um, And then at the end, the real kind of cherry on on the top of it all was they got to take a flying lesson. So many of them had never been in an airplane, even a commercial airplane. What an amazing program. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's been so rewarding to see it from the yeah. beginning to the end. I think Brett said you've added, um, was it, you've added a summer session or something? We've added yeah. so much this year. Mm-hmm. Last year it was the pilot program, so it was the first time that we were going through it all. This year we've um, doubled the number of participants in the program, so we had a spring mm-hmm. session, now we have a fall session as well, and so that's twice as many school districts that are going to be able to be involved. Um, and then we've also added in a summer internship program and summer camps. And we've updated our field trip and our um, community outreach program as well. So we're really, um, we have a a new focus on education that um, has resulted in touching thousands of more people and exposing them to aviation. That's totally different than basically what your original mission kind of is, right? Well, we see it as an expansion, Mm -hmm. you know? It's ways to change lives through aviation Mm -hmm. um, in in other ways, basically. Do you have a background in aviation? 
I do not. Yeah. Have, you, have you learned a lot about aviation? I have learned so much, so much. It's amazing. You know, over those six years, especially since I this year, I've taken on um, leadership in the, the MAP program, so the Medical Relief and Air mm-hmm. Transport program here in the United States. So I'm working directly with our team of pilots mm-hmm. um, and much more directly with um, our hangar staff as well to keep those two planes that we rely on um, up and running. So I have... I've really enjoyed everything that I've learned. Yeah. Are there many pilots that work in the office here? No. The pilots don't tend to work in the office. They give us so much in terms of volunteer Mm -hmm. hours by, you know, flying the patients, but then we also make sure that we have a training program, you know, that is a constant. They have to keep their IPCs up and they have mm-hmm. to do night landings. And um, and so... We were talking mm-hmm. about that last night. Yeah. <laughs> we you met know. with an air traffic controller and he was telling us about you guys being out at currency and mm-hmm. things. So Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, um, the currency is a real commitment uh, yeah. on the part of our, our staff. And um, we have several staff pilots that are volunteers, mm-hmm. um, but we call them our staff pilots. Mm-hmm. And so we have a chief pilot and then two staff pilots right now that um, do all that training and manage mm-hmm. um, all, all the pilots, make sure that everything is up to date. And so, yeah, they're not they're not on staff, but they really, they do a lot for us. So that was one of the questions and one of the things I wanted to talk about was the pilots. So you said you had 20. Mm-hmm. How did I get to be into something like this? How? What are the qualifications? Where do you find them? Are they all volunteer? How much do they actually work how much time are they spending flying and how how does that work how do they pick out trips and things like that yeah well um so you know we have really strict requirements for 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 what (laughs) yeah (laughs) some would say an unrealistic number of hours but um you know it we we think that it's really important for the safety of our patients um that they have a good amount of experience. They come from the commercial um, side and, or from pi- private pilots. They have to be instrument rated. Mm-hmm. Thousand we hours. have several. Yes, over a thousand hours. Mm-hmm. Um, we Multi. have. Yep, <laughs> multi-engine. And like, I, mean, I, I think I work to train that. on some of these, but yeah. yeah, it is. It's important that we have high standards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, some of our pilots fl- fly hundreds of hours every year, and some of them just do a couple. But basically, when we schedule a patient, then our flight operations manager sends out a weekly email with the opportunities for volunteering, and they can sign up with a co-pilot. All of our flights have a pilot in command and a co-pilot, mm-hmm. um, and so they it comes on. It's the first come first serve basis. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we want to welcome Brett. Brett just came in to our to our podcast here, and he can join in the discussion with us. Brett, why don't you introduce yourself first? Tell us what you do here. Well, it's great to be with you, Natalie and Alyssa. I'm Brett Heinrich. I'm the president and CEO of Wings of Hope, and it's so nice to see two of our favorite uh, pilots <laughs> that are encouraging young women uh, everywhere to consider this career. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more young women, and uh, we're really excited. Uh, Jessica may have explained to you a little bit about our SOAR into STEM program mm-hmm. yeah. to encourage young women and students of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we're, we're both really excited about is how that program encourages people to see aviation through a humanitarian lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plane that our kiddos worked on now is in Paraguay, and it's saving and changing lives there. And uh, that just is so important that they see that aviation can really make, make a difference. difference. Mm-hmm. 
Right, yeah. Yeah, that was a really neat aspect of the program that I didn't really talk so much about. But the plane that the kids work on in the program is always going to be going into the field. It's going to be used in our mission work. And the kids actually learn a lot about that mission as well. So they learned about Paraguay. They learned about what the plane was going to be doing. It's going to be bringing food assistance and medical assistance and dentists and doctors into really rural areas and indigenous groups. Um, in Paraguay. And, um, and so they actually know that they are directly contributing to that mission mm-hmm. because they were the ones who started the annual. And then we've kept them in the loop. We, when our Paraguay field director visited us just over the last few weeks, we did a lot of videos with him where he was thanking the kids. And then some of them came to the, um, the, plane, the plane blessing. And then when the plane left, um, oh, wow. so um, cool. it was a really fun I don't think I could be circle. there. I'd be like bawling. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there were I'm too emotional tears. to be here all the time, guys. Yeah. There were absolutely yeah. some tears, mm-hmm. even yeah. maybe the pilots, I want to say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow, that's pretty cool. So they get updates on the progress of what's going on with that plane. That absolutely. That's yeah. Neat. Yep. I think that's great to show children at such a such young ages that they can make an impact through something. And I think that's kind of what we like to promote and um, that you can make change. You can um, really help others with doing just very similar uh, and small even things, things that you really like. I mean, yeah. things that you're into that you're can about. in some way be turned into to benefit to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, back to the pilot thing because I'm really curious about okay, it. Yeah. So, do they do most of them have other jobs, or are they mostly retired, or is it mixed? Most of them are retired. Okay, it's hard to have a schedule with with an airline and um, and still be able to do missions mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Some of them took early retirement, and so they they have other interests. But I would say they're all retired right now. Is it? Isn't that yeah, true? almost all. Yeah, yeah, we have a couple who have more flexible schedules. Uh, Phil for being one, mm-hmm. and just it's a great group of guys that donate all of their time. To and not just guys. We have our first. I was like, do we have a female pilot who just joined us? She just retired, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, the first thing she wanted to do was uh, was fly with us. So yeah. we, we were really we we're really happy to have Leslie Absolutely. on the team. And Alyssa, I told you already, we're saving spot. <laughs> I have been looking at those requirements, yeah. and I'm just like staring at them. And I guess I need to put them on my Work goals, on those hours. my dreams. Working yeah. those hours. The hours aren't going to be the issue. It's going to be just the ratings. Getting well, no, just getting yeah. getting everything, mm-hmm. getting it all compiled, and then yeah. my schedule is pretty flexible. But I see your requirements online, but. What are some things that you look at when hiring or, you know, getting these volunteer pilots? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you say, hey, it looks like your schedule's too busy or this isn't a great fit? Or, like, how does that work for you guys? And You know, one of the real key things our chief pilot does is... Make sure that it's not just pilots chasing hours. It's yeah, no. pilots that are committed to the mission, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that that's a real drill down for us. And if they're just if they tell us they're interested only in hours. building hours, hours, then yeah. we really can't use them. Mm-hmm. I really think this is a organization that you want to put your heart into it, and oh, and that's and that's why 100%. I went to the event last year with you guys and. I was like, this is what I want to do. You know, this is when I think there was a Belize opening for a pilot or something. Yes. And I'm like, I'm we quitting my job. <laughs> I'm quitting my job. And I'm moving to Belize. You're in a pilot search right now for Belize. I have no children and I am ready. Uh, so, yeah, it's 
it's something that I'm passionate about and I've done uh, mission trips and things before and, and just kind of being able to do something that I'm passionate about and doing that together would just be mm-hmm. so amazing. Yeah. And see, absolutely. I, Everyone so. who's here, they're here because they have a heart for our mission. Yeah. And absolutely. that is one of the reasons I love working here. It's Makes really it inspirational. Absolutely. Do most of the pilots stick around for a long time? They do. Long They term. stay with us mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say another thing that we look for that our chief pilot prioritizes is that, is that they are a team player mm-hmm. um, and that they um, will make calls that put safety first. Mm-hmm. So I would say that those are our, our three top requirements. Yeah. And our pilots... Uh, are ready to jump in anytime. We received sure. a call of a, a woman who was dying of cancer and needed to make a trip that was even a little bit outside of our range over Thanksgiving. And three of our pilots stepped up and said, you know what, I will cancel my Thanksgiving plans. Just call me when you need me. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah, it's that, that's the kind of spirit that really yeah. is pervasive, certainly among our pilots and the other 300 volunteers that contribute to Wings of Hope. Throughout the organization, mm-hmm. our purchasing department is made up of volunteers. Uh, our accounting department, uh, with the exception of our CFO, all volunteers. Mm-hmm. It's really incredible. I've never seen an organization use volunteers the way we do mm. at Wings of Hope. Absolutely. And, I mean, a great example is the Paraguay Ferry that we just did. I mean, yeah. that is such an inspirational story. So one of our uh, staff pilots, Steve Williams, volunteer, but we call them staff pilots, mm-hmm. He, so he's generally he flies for um, our MAP program, our domestic program, but he volunteered to fly down with our Paraguay field director. It's a 4,000 mile journey. Wow. Um, you fly across the Caribbean, you fly across the Amazon rainforest. Wow. It is without, with tremendous risk. Mm-hmm. Um, they have 100 degree days and no air conditioning mm-hmm. in that uh, 182 that, that mm-hmm. went down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he said, yes, absolutely, I'll step, for a, a step, I'll step up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did it safely. Um, they did a fantastic job. You know, you have to deal with customs and visa requirements mm-hmm. and you know, a, lot. a lot of uncertainty. Lot. Um, but we had a fantastic team behind them. And, um, and, and you know, they, they delivered that plane, and it's going to be put to really good use. Absolutely. Just last year, we had 56 new volunteers come through our door and sign up to be volunteers. Wow. We've tracked, we started tracking their hours and we had 900, almost a million dollars worth of donated wow. volunteer time last yeah. year. Wow. So it's really incredible. Yeah. This, we, we are really built on the backs mm-hmm. of our volunteers mm-hmm. and uh, we're super, super grateful. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying Alyssa and Natalie's discussion with the folks at Wings of Hope. Just wanted to drop in here for 30 seconds so we can hear from a fellow podcaster and friend of Cockpits and Cocktails. He's going to tell you about his podcast we think you might enjoy, and then we'll get right back to the discussion with Wings of Hope. Hi, it's Chuck from Soaring the Sky, a glider pilot's podcast. Join us each week as we talk to glider pilots from all over the world as they share their story and their adventures in the air. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, I hope you join us soon on Soaring the Sky. Are, are they, this is your headquarters. Yes. Yep. So is this, are there any other like satellite offices or anything else across the U.S. or where you have volunteers or is this where everything is done right here? Um, this is our headquarters mm-hmm. and everything is done here, but we work in partnership. 
around the world. So our model is that we partner with other nonprofits um, when we work internationally. We're not going to have Wings of Hope Paraguay or mm-hmm. Wings of Hope Zambia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a strong vetting process where we choose strong partners that have a history of impact and that are, you know, they've been in the community for years. They have those relationships built. You know, they're going to do the work and we're going to support them and we're going to help lift them up. Mm -hmm. And and philosophically, that's so important to us because we want the people in the country to be able to access sources in country and to have people right there that'll be there that know the, the needs better than us. And from a practical standpoint, we are able to put our resources more into the service and the needs of the people rather than building brick-and-mortar structures mm-hmm, sure. all right. across the world yeah. and trying to maintain those yeah. and staff those. Yeah. So it's a great model. Yeah. How long have you been involved with the Wings of Hope? So I took this position just about two and a half years ago, Okay. and I love it. What did you do before? My whole career has been in the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. I've raised money uh, for older adults who outlive their resources at mm-hmm. the end of their lives mm-hmm. uh, in, in a couple of mm-hmm. different organizations. Okay. And then uh, my career in nonprofit started out um, promoting cross-cultural exchange between Japan and okay. the United States. Yeah. We had a, I remember a student when I lived in a small town, mostly when I grew up, but there was a neighbor that had a Japanese exchange student. He came over for a little while, and then my neighbor went over to Japan for a while. That was really cool. I bet that was fun, being involved in. Incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Truly a, a foreign culture and language mm-hmm. uh, from the east to the west, and uh, just to be able to expose our students. What we were doing at the time was bringing native-speaking college teaching assistants from Japan and placing them all across the United States to work in high schools and middle schools so our students could hear a native speaker speak Mm -hmm. the language, Mm -hmm. and it gave them the native speaker Mm -hmm. teaching experience. Mm -hmm. And this was when Japan's economy was at its highest before their bubble burst, and America felt like we need to be able to negotiate with Japan, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so there were Japanese programs Mm -hmm. uh, in high schools and Mm -hmm. middle school all across the... And great background for his job now, because Brett has had to travel all over the world to visit our international field sites. You know, Brett's gone to Colombia, Ecuador, Paraguay, Zambia, Tanzania, and so great background for that. Wow, yeah. To see the work happening, it's it's really a miracle taking place every day mm-hmm. in these locations where there's no resources. Yeah. Uh, in Zambia, our partner flies into 12 remote villages where this, the hospitals are truly cinder block hospitals. I was going to go in on my first day there and observe surgery, and the hospital could not produce a clean pair of scrubs for mm-hmm. me to wear. Yeah. So they had to find one somewhere else and go take it home and wash it and bring it back the next day so I could go in. You literally almost have to bring your, your own bandages with you in some of these remote mm-hmm. areas. Wow. Now, being an aviation-based company, I've traveled a little bit um, in Europe and things. Aviation in the United States is 100% different here than it is in other countries. Do you guys ever find roadblocks with saying, like, we want to put this airplane here in Zambia or wherever, what is their aviation, like, guidelines? Like, how, do you guys deal with that, or do, do, do your partners deal with that? Like, 
train, you know, airspace and getting getting the plane, getting all of those things and fuel. Like, Mm -hmm. yep. Uh, I mean, the logistical challenges, as soon as you uh, exit the United States, just ramp up, Mm -hmm. you know, tremendously. And so it is mostly our partners that are having to deal with that, but we support them in that. And um, we know that their relationship with their local governments and their national governments are key to their success. Um, so we, we try and support that. And when we vet new partnerships, we make sure that they um, have already thought about that and they're building so they those relationships. And, yeah. and and so in some cases, such as Nicaragua, they have built great relationships with the local governments um, such that they're going to let them keep their end registration, even though the plane mm-hmm. is, ru- is running in-country. Um, so they're not forcing them to register um, as a Nicaraguan plane. And there are several benefits. There are quite a few benefits to keeping that U.S. registration, that end registration. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so things like that, you know, we try and support them. Um, but most, most of the time, unless it's the kind of ferry trip that we were talking about, um, going down to Paraguay, um, we we're not having to directly leap those hurdles. How do they find, um, well, like you were saying in Paraguay, where do they get their pilots? So in Paraguay, you know, in some cases we work with missionary organizations because they're the ones that are willing to commit long-term to living in really, really remote areas Mm -hmm. um, and working for little or no pay. Um, And so in Paraguay, we partner with a church that um, has been there for over 30 years, and um, it is led by a pilot. And so the the pastor actually is the pilot, um, and he's the one who's taking the dentists and doctors um into the remote areas how busy are they when they like how how much do you think he flies so we we have different models um and uh, different field sites have different numbers of hours that they're flying on a yearly basis in paraguay it is more of a um a monthly model like fly in fly out model Mm -hmm. so they'll go for um, a weekend a long weekend and um, so they'll be able to bring in medical professionals and have a focused clinic um, and bring in a lot of um, food aid and do vocational training all in this kind of concentrated several day period Mm -hmm. and on a schedule that the indigenous communities all the way around they expect it mm-hmm. so they know to come even though it could be a day's walk for them you know they can rely on the fact that it will happen and the reason why they're able to have that reliability is the plane to mm-hmm. be honest because the roads are terrible so mm-hmm. in the rainy season they're not able to get through or you know there might be a reason why the roads are closed but with the plane then they're able to provide that consistency and that yeah. so so they'll fly on a monthly basis but then they'll also fly medevacs um not extremely frequently Mm -hmm. but maybe like 20 times a year something like that yeah are there any other organizations that do something similar to what you do we're pretty unique but there are public benefit aviation organizations yeah certainly in the united states there are organizations just as jess was saying that are in that public benefit space uh angel flight west Mm -hmm. and a number of others but internationally we're a little bit unique there are some wonderful organizations that do things on a, on a broad scale but might be focused on a certain type of treatment mm-hmm. or like uh, Doctors Without Borders. Yeah. Um, they do great work, uh, but their model is a little bit different than us. They go in, my understanding is, and deal more with, with sort of crisis intervention, and we're more in it for the long term to mm-hmm. 
um, ensure that people have continued access to health care. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned pilots. One of the things that, that we're really excited about, there's a young man in Tanzania named Richard who grew up around our partner there, Flying Medical Service. His mom is the cook for the organization. And ever since he was a little boy, he's been around the airplanes. And he's now of an age where he's finished high school, and he wants to fly for Flying Medical Service. And so we're helping make that dream come true with him. And for us, that's really important philosophically because we want to support the native people of the country in continuing to provide service uh, yeah, to back their to countrymen. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, how I wonder how, I mean, I guess you would know, but is it pretty challenging in a place like that to actually get your pilot's license? Well, that is an interesting case. As Jess was saying, uh, some of our countries, they maintain their end registration through agreements that were made long ago, and they might be grandfathered in. In this particular case, that's the case. So he, he will need to be registered with a U.S. pilot's license. And mm-hmm. so we're figuring, we're helping them mm-hmm. figure that yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll probably come to the United States to uh, train or train yeah. and mm-hmm. get his license and mm-hmm. then go back and serve. Uh, he's committed to, he said, I'll, I'll certainly meet the minimum criteria of three years of service, but then uh, probably way beyond that, because mm-hmm. that's where his family is, yeah. and that's yeah. where his life is. Yeah. yeah. Now, within the United States, is it the MAPS program? How does one apply if they needed those services, or how do they, what do you do for them? Are they paying for these things? Um like how does it work? How do they find you? Yeah. 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 So, um, so for the medical relief and air transport program here in the United States that flies six hundred mile a six hundred mile radius around St. Louis, patients contact us. They can contact us through our website. We have a form online, and we reach out to them with a medical records access form, basically. Um, so they let us know the details about their condition. They have to be stable enough to fly with us. We can fly stretcher patients, so we can fly non-ambulatory folks. We can do oxygen, um, but we can't do IVs at, the, at this point, mm-hmm. So uh, because it's a non-pressurized cabin. Um, and so there are certain, there's like weight restrictions um, and certain things about the condition that, that, that need to be met in order for it to be safe for us to fly them. Mm-hmm. And so we have a medical team that reviews the patient records confidentially and sees whether it's a good fit for mm-hmm. us. And we also do provide commercial tickets on a limited okay. basis yeah, as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Alyssa, you asked about cost. There really is no cost. Yes, uh, to it's our absolutely patients. free, and yeah. we will fly as many times as necessary in order to reach the um, the desired outcome. Yeah. Do so, doctors ever contact you? They about? do. Okay. okay. At this point, we have great relationships with a lot of hospitals in mm-hmm. that uh, geographic area, and um, certain doctors um, will re- refer us on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. When we first started the program 16 years ago, there was an assumption by this organization that, well, we're, we're a pretty small organization, we're offering a free service, let's not get out and make promises we can't fulfill and have long waiting lists. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're in a different place, and so Jess and her team have been doing an amazing job to establish relationships with health clinics, with hospitals all across our 29-state range to say, hey, we're here, we're ready to there's anything we can do to you or for you. And get the information in the the caseworkers' hands so they know that we are a referral point for patients. My first 
flight I took here at Wings of Hope was with a young uh, boy from rural Missouri who had burns over 60% of his body. And his physician, his general physician, said you, you're, to the mother, you need to take him to Cincinnati. Well, that's a long journey for a family because mm-hmm. that's where the Shriners mm-hmm. burn unit is. And they drove. They drove the first time. And the caseworker said, you're in Missouri. Why don't you call Wings of Hope? Mm-hmm. And so he's been flying ever since. And he will make many, many trips back and forth until he's entirely healed. Mm. Wow. Mm. That's really great. Now, your aircraft are, do you fly two pilots? Do you fly yeah. one? We you always have a co-pilot. Co-pilot, mm-hmm. okay. Same requirements? Just Yep, yep. all same requirements. And yep. um, we do have um, a team of volunteer medics that can fly with a patient mm-hmm. if they require that. Mm-hmm. So there's just enough room for yeah. patient, caregiver, and medic mm-hmm. in our planes. And then the two pilots. Yeah, so that's nice that you're able to possibly take caregiver and, you know... It's always, medical, there's always a caregiver. Always caregiver. Much. Yeah. Yeah. We can take stretcher patients. We don't mm-hmm. take as many because more of our patients we see have uh, needs that are ongoing, like clubfoot babies mm-hmm. or cancer patients, uh, where they're going to have to, they're facing many, many trips. They're not emergency patients, mm-hmm. but they're patients that need to go a long distance to reach specialized care. Yeah. And it would be absolutely unaffordable for a family yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think about parents that are having to give up their jobs in order to drive these long distances, um, the impact on other children in the home, mm-hmm. you know, um, where the parents need to be away for much longer. Um, so it can just have a huge ripple effect on a family. Yeah. You guys have a lot of volunteers, but how how are you affording to take these patients? Like, what makes... Is it the airplane sales? Like, what is your main fundraising? Fundraising. Well, I answer this one. <laughs> it's funny you ask because tonight at the Chase Park Plaza, hey, what tonight? Tonight, oh my gosh, available. You will both be there with us, yeah. and that gala raises money specifically for the domestic program, the the MAT program. Mm-hmm. Because we're providing the direct services here in the U.S., this is our largest line item every year. It's the most expensive thing we do is fly patients here in the U.S. We fuel the planes, we maintain the planes, we pay for all the people that do those things for us. And so we really invest a lot of our fundraising strategies in, uh, in and around the MAT program. Uh, we are, if you think of our revenue in buckets... Uh, certainly airplane sales, planes are donated to us each year. And then if we can't use them in the field to help people, uh, we are able to sell those for program revenue. Our, our, we have an amazing team in the hangar that can get the planes uh, up, to sh- up to speed and make sure they're an annual and all of that. Uh, then traditional philanthropy. Um, we have just a great number of donors around the country that believe in our mission and will make charitable contributions and then certainly event income with the gala this evening being our largest source of income for the MAT program. Mm-hmm. And we the talked other, about the raffle, too, as another big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Which I've not won yet. I'm kind of upset. Uh-huh. Keep, on, keep on trying. <laughs> I, know. I always buy, like, the three-pack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of these days. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks. Um, anything else that you want to share? 
What is the best way if somebody wants to volunteer or if somebody um, is maybe interested in your organization and how to help fundraise anything, what is the best way to go about reaching you guys and finding out about these programs? Absolutely. So if you are here locally in the the region, the St. Louis, if you can drive to St. Louis, the very best thing to do is come see us, walk through our building, meet our pilots, experience Wings of Hope, uh, and our volunteers, and you'll be hooked. You'll want to become involved with us. If you can't drive here, if you can't get here to visit with us, our website is www.wingsofhope.ngo, and our direct line is 636-537-1302. And we use volunteers, not just here in St. Louis, but we would love to visit with anyone across the country or across the world who wants to be part of our mission. There are roles that we can we can definitely benefit from having you involved with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Welcome and I did want to mention, too, um, since you ha- might have a younger audience for your podcast, um, we have um, a Young Ambassadors program, which is our Young Professionals group. Um, age twenty one to forty five, um, and they do we're, some. We're in amazing that group still. Programs. No, I'm not. So. I'm one year out of it. I'm in the senior group, I guess. <laughs> you can be an honorary member. Really. Right. Uh, but um, they do some really fun events throughout the year that um, do some wonderful fundraising for us. Um, so that's another way that that you can get involved. And many people across the country have started to do online fundraisers mm-hmm. for us as well. Um, so so that's another possibility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. Alyssa, so we're make sure you're at the next meeting. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I would love to be a part of that. And, you know, Excellent. it's... It's. I don't usually say no to anything that I love mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. You know, aviation and that's a, that's our problem. Are yeah, of course, too many things. We've I'm done. about an hour away, so oh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh and you just fly in. If you find me sleeping at the back of the hangar, don't yeah. be alarmed. <laughs> we'll save you a spot. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about Alyssa's been, but what's the event tonight? What's it going to be like? So the event tonight will be 462 of our closest friends in one room at the Chase Park Plaza, the Corazon Ballroom. And there'll be opportunities for silent auction items to bid on, live auction it's items. Someone's my weakness. Like, don't silent auction. We've got a lot of those. I will tell you that just bring some Kleenexes. Um, there's oh, always a few tear jerkers. Mm. We've got a couple of our patients that are going to be there to tell you we are to tell you about their stories, sure. and um, they're amazing. I'm tearing mm-hmm. up thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't even think about it. Uh, yeah. Actually, meet Isaac. He's about this yeah. tall, yeah. little blonde. He's so adorable. Um, yeah, yeah. You will hear amazing stories mm-hmm. this evening that really get at the heart of what we do, mm-hmm. uh, particularly here in the United States. We've also made some live auction items available that I'm really excited about. One in particular, uh, whoever wins that item will be going to Colombia, the country of Colombia, mm-hmm. to experience um, a Wings of Hope mission firsthand. To go oh, into wow. the field with our partner uh, wow. there in Colombia on a medical brigade, and it truly will be a life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to see the auctioneer meet her. She's getting ready for 
her big night, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many items are is going are going to be in the live op- auction tonight? I believe we have fourteen okay. live auction items. Mm-hmm. Some great items. Uh, a villa in Italy for ten I'll people. I'll take that. So, <laughs> I got a, I got a beautiful quilt last year. That's Wings of Hope. So oh, I think cool. next year I should probably donate one. I should probably make. Yeah, because you make quilts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we'll take it. That we'll sounds great. It. Yeah. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So lots of lots of fun tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you'll meet some great people that all have our mission at heart, and uh, we hope to raise a significant amount of money for yeah. the MAP program. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Thanks for meeting with us. I know you, this is a busy yeah. day for you. I'm sure you got a lot going on. You, you've been hosting people at your house, and you got this thing tonight. <laughs> Happy and, to yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> we really appreciate what you guys are doing in the community yeah. and mm-hmm. across the world. So oh my goodness. Thank you well, so much. we uh, we think of you as part of our extended Wingus of Hope family. Wingus of Hope family. How did we even get connected? Did you reach out to me? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, did you? How did you? How, LinkedIn. How LinkedIn. Like? Okay. Yeah. All right. And then I called you. I yeah. think and. Talked and we about talked, yeah, them. that's right. Yeah. And I, we didn't even mention that Natalie was here as one of our speakers for the Sword of Stone program right. that we yeah. did this that last year. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. she was really inspirational for the women, that, the, the girls that are so. in that yeah, program. You never know who you're going to reach, you know. Just let, let them know that, hey, I'm involved in this and yeah. I fly and, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And cool. it was so exciting to see your scholarship announced the other day yeah uh, Yeah. encouraging women to get into this profession that's awesome yeah thank you for what you do get a few more volunteer pilots here females that'll be that would be fantastic yeah send them away Alyssa's at the bottom of the list (laughs) (laughs) we've got a place for you just yes that's right that's right okay guys well thank you very much thank you appreciate it it was very interesting I felt like I learned a lot yeah yeah want to thank the listeners for tuning in to this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. I hope that you learned a little bit about Wings of Hope and maybe you have a desire to reach out and see what you can do for this wonderful organization. Thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and pass this along. This is Natalie Flygirl Kelly, Blue Skies. But doubt is hard to restrain. I feel-